Hi, my name is Chris Brennan, and you're listening to the Astrology Podcast. This episode is recorded on Monday, January 8th, 2018, starting at 11.19 a.m. in Denver, Colorado, and this is the 139th episode of the show. For more information about how to subscribe to the podcast and help support the production of future episodes by becoming a patron, please visit theastrologypodcast.com slash subscribe. In this episode, I'm going to be talking with astrologers Dana Lynn Knuckles and Jessica Lignato about a recent discussion in the astrological community about the question, is astrology becoming more popular or less popular? Uh, so hi, Dana and Jessica. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for, thanks for having me. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Great to be with you guys. Yeah, I'm really glad to have both of you on. I hope that I pronounced both of your names correctly. Was I close enough? You did a great n- job with my name, Jessica Lignato. That's not easy. And I feel like you you stepped up to the plate. You knocked it out. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> that is a courageous thing. I would agree. And yeah, you, you did it just fine, Chris. <laughs> All right. Good to hear. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm excited to have both of you on the show and I'm excited about this topic today. Um, part of the genesis of this was that about a, a month or two ago, I was contacted by a reporter named Ida Bendetto who said that she was writing an article for Quartz on the growing popularity of astrology. And then there was a New York Times article that came out uh, earlier this month, an article that came out earlier this month that was actually on a similar topic. And both of those sort of topics started getting me thinking about this question of, is astrology actually getting more popular in society or is it becoming less popular or is it kind of both? Are there areas where there's growth in areas where there's decline. And when I posed this question to some people in the community, it seems like astrologers overwhelmingly think that that it's growing or that it is becoming more popular. But I wanted to have kind of a nuanced conversation um, with with both of you about your views on that and if you feel like it's becoming more popular or less popular in certain areas of society. So maybe let's start with you, Dana, because you were the first one I was talking to last night about this, where you felt like some of the coverage of astrology recently was positive and kind of indicative that it was being taken more seriously by people in the media, right? Yeah. You know, I always think it's a positive thing when astrologers are being uh, invited to comment and offer their expertise in a way that's not limited to horoscopes. So the idea that you would be interviewed or asked for your expert opinion on astrology, I think is saying something about how people situate that in their mind in the collective and that horoscopes are not just these things that appear in online publications. Um, There's something that comes due to someone's study and expertise, which is of an astrologer. So I know you, Jessica, and myself have all been contacted by publications recently in our capacity, specifically as a professional astrologer, um, and not as some, I don't know. (sighs) Yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Sure. And and maybe that's actually a good starting point that I should have began with, which is just what's your background, or or maybe I should introduce you to my audience. So, So how long have you been an astrologer? How long have you been studying astrology? And where are you from? So I'm from Chicago, and I have been studying astrology going on 11 years now. And as you guys were talking before we started recording, um, you know, when I started learning astrology, the internet was there, but I went to the library and got every book off the shelf and kept them until I was able to kind of piece together the building blocks of astrology. 
And it wasn't really until later that I, I guess at the time that I was studying the online community of, or rather online information was just beginning to be put there. Um, so yeah, I learned from books and I still learn from books. So there's that. <laughs> sure. So you were kind of at that middle stage where it's like all the internet resources were, were becoming more and more prominent, but books were still probably the primary resource for you in your early studies. Absolutely. I mean, going to the library, I remember I went to Harold Washington Library, which is like this huge library in the loop, like the center of downtown. And they had a whole bookcase full of astrology books. Now, of course, at that time, I didn't have kind of the discernment to know what was what, but I just picked all of them off. And I haven't been there in a while. I would wonder if those books are even still there, you know? Uh, sure. Like you say, it's kind of waning, but I think publishing is waning in that sense in general. So I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> sure. And, and what about you, Jessica? How long have you been studying or practicing astrology and where are you from? Um, I'm from Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and um, although I live in California now. And I started studying, actually got my first astrology book for my 12th birthday, but I have been practicing, I've been, I guess, more formally studying since maybe 91 or two. I'm really lucky because I went to an alternative college where there was um, a Jungian astrologer. He was a Jungian psychologist and a Jungian astrologer. And he taught, um, in college coursework, he had astrology classes. And, um, I started practicing professionally in 94. Um, and yeah, my, I mean, the internet had been invented, <laughs> but it hadn't been something that people used yet. So all of my, um, education with astrology is through books and I learned how to cast a chart by hand and all that kind of stuff. Um, because there were, you know, th that was the only thing I could do. I didn't even get an astrology program until I guess the later nineties. Um, and I, you know, I, I really, really love astrology and I'm so grateful for how accessible it is, but I do feel that, um, reading whole books <laughs> on topics is really, really useful instead of just blog posts, which is something we can kind of get into more. But that said, it's so great that there's so much astrology in the world now because I do think there's more astrology. Um, but anyways, I, I perhaps digress. Sure. So <laughs> so both of you mentioned, and I think we're all in a similar space um, in terms of having books being our, our starting point or our initial foundation in our astrological studies. And that's actually sort of brings me to my first sort of talking point, which is this question I have where one of the areas where I almost feel like there's been a decline is in astrology book publishing, where it seems like 10, 15 years ago, there used to be, you could go to a bookstore or a metaphysical bookstore or something like that, and they'd have a few shelves worth of astrology books. And sometimes they'd be published by major publishers like Penguin or um, you know other major publishing houses like that. But Nowadays, over the past 10 years, when I go into a bookstore, it seems like those shelves have shrunk and shrunk so that you're lucky if there's like one shelf or even half a shelf of astrology books. And I'm not sure if that's due to a decline in, in interest in, you know, consumers purchasing astrology books or if it's just a, a byproduct of the decline in book publishing in, in general. I mean, do you, either of you have sort of like an opinion on that? I think, I think it's a really about the decline in publishing personally. Um, 
I actually know, I know several people. I think I can think of right now five different people who have book deals, astrology book deals right now. Um, so I do think we're going to see more astrology books, but, um, but I think it's probably more about the decline in publishing, um, than, than specifically the decline in interest in astrology. I also think there are emerging voices in astrology. And I think we're about to see some very different kinds of astrology books. That's my sense anyways. Sure. And and Dana, I mean, have you, because one of the things I think you've released things online, and that's sort of an interesting shift as well, where astrologers, it used to be that in order to establish yourself in the astrological community or put yourself out there as a professional astrologer, you know, you kind of had to publish a book, whereas nowadays you could, you know, write a successful blog or you could become known through, you know, publishing even, you know, tweets on Twitter or something. There's a lot of people that have developed followings there. Um, is that sort of what what avenue have you sort of taken over the past decade in terms of establishing yourself as a as a practicing astrologer? You know, I'm I'm the same age as you, Chris, born in 84, just a few months before you in February. Um, and the special thing about our generation is that we really straddle this uh, idea of a millennial and then a Gen Xer because millennials are supposed to not have a, remember, a memory before the internet and cell phones and all of that thing. But I'm sure, Chris, similar to me, you know, you very much remember dial up phones, rotary phones, pay phones, all of these other things. Or, you know, getting your free AOL trial and this being like this huge thing, right? The beginning of this door opening. So I, I think that we find ourselves in a really interesting place. And for me, it's interesting to have both an immersed and detached connection with social media, um, I think there's something to be said for, you know, who are the traditional gatekeepers of knowledge and information and how has social media democratized information? And I think that's mm-hmm. at the crux of the conversation that we're having is that now that information is democratized, meaning that you don't have to go to a college or university or even a library in order to get information, you have this like, you know, explosion of various types of astrology, like Jessica was saying, emerging and um, various gatekeepers, which, you know, on social media tends to be how many followers you have. If you're, you know, if you're authority, then that means you have 10,000, 23,000 followers on Twitter or Facebook or YouTube, as it were. But for me personally, I've definitely been able to use Twitter. My first astrology blog, I think was in like 2010, um, and I wasn't on Twitter. I was on Facebook at the time. And now this is my a sec- second go round with astrology, having a blog and tweets. And I actually just published something uh, this past weekend. So like you say, it's definitely more about the decline of traditional publishing um, and I have some opinions about that because I feel like we do need gatekeepers for information and that, you know, anarchy of information is not <laughs> what's best for us, even though, you know, some people would have you think that. Sure. Yeah, that seems to be a point that often comes up in this conversation about, yes, maybe everyone it seems to say that it's it's getting more popular, but then sometimes there's a question of, is it is it just a sort of sort of pop astrology that's becoming more popular or is advanced forms of of like 
you know, horoscopic astrology with, you know, advanced natal chart and transits and progressions and everything else is that what's becoming popular. But sort of before we move move on to that topic, that's a really interesting point that publishing books is no longer, you know, that used to be like you're saying the gatekeeper sort of um, method of establishing yourself as as a professional astrologer or a leading astrologer in the community. But it seems like that's not necessarily any the case anymore because there are people establishing themselves without publishing books or before they've published a book. I mean, I sort of established myself originally writing blog posts and then eventually doing this podcast. And it was only just last year that I published a book, which I'd been working on for 10 years, but it was almost as an afterthought in in the sense that it wasn't necessarily it wasn't necessary in order to establish myself at that point. It may help. Um, in terms of like long-term things, but it's no longer necessary. Uh, I mean, Jessica, do you feel like that's the case at this point? You mentioned you know at least five different people who have book deals, mm-hmm. but they're they're basically people that are already established at this point because it's not like people aren't usually starting with a book and then they get popular. It's more like they're popular and then they get a book deal at this point, right? Well. Uh, actually, it's mixed. Actually, I think I, I mean okay. I have so many so many thoughts about it. But one of the things that I I think is happening is kind of you know with with the internet. Um, there's so many pros and there's so many cons of how the internet is affecting astrology and astrology is affecting the internet. But one of the cons is within capitalism. We have astrology as clickbait, right? And so right. there are astrologers that I know that are, that have book deals. I would say all of them are 30 years old or younger, <laughs> which wow. is to me exactly is a little complicated. Um, and you know, it's not bad and it's not good, but you know, as somebody who's been actively practicing for, you know, more than 20 years, um, I feel like, well, how, how many years can you have? I, I don't know. I, I think that, I guess what I want to say is this, is that some people are getting book deals because they have a social media following and having a social media following is something that you can develop because you are accurate and engaging and have a deep breadth of knowledge or because you're really good with quip, like fun sayings, like to be an astrology writer does not necessarily mean you are an astrology expert. It means you were a good writer with astrology expertise. And, and I personally hold them as quite separate. You hear my Uranus in the ninth coming out. But, um, as a self-taught astrologer, I, I don't think that writing necessarily or being able to organize information in writing form is always the greatest way of gauging whether or not somebody is an excellent astrologer. Um, and, and I think that, you know, the thing about, what we see online is so many people are writing effectively, like they're reaching people about astrology, but they may really be beginners and not really have a deep grasp of astrology, um, but they have a working grasp. And I think that the internet really wants a quick, you know, a quick run through data instead of a deep run through data. Um, and I think, I think that, you know, books are a deeper run through. So I think some of the, the books that are, I'm, I'm expecting to see come out are like fun and easy you know, as opposed to super deep, which kind of gets at the part of your question, which is, are we compromising depth and quality as we have maybe uh, this democratization of information? Like that's the negative of it. I'm very for the democratization of information, but there is some complication because, you know, 
because companies are running a lot of this, right? Companies are, are offering opportunities for writers to have jobs and platforms. So it's, I don't know, it's complicated. You know, I want to push back just a little bit because I think it's a little bit deeper. Like, yes, the internet does want these short, you know, consumable tidbits of information. But I think we also have a really big issue of people not knowing what astrology is. And when people don't know what astrology is, they do stuff like write articles and and lead it with astrologist, right? Because they just Mm -hmm. assume that that's (laughs) what it is, right? But also when we talk about people who are consuming astrology, like our Twitter followers or Facebook followers, or even corporations who are looking and seeing who are the influencers and who have large social media followings, I think a really big issue is that people don't know what astrology is. They think astrology is your sign. And so if someone is able to package that part of astrology into, like you say, these little pieces, then I think that they end up, you know, gaining this popularity seen as an authority. And this is not to toot my own horn. This is only to say that I think that we underestimate people because, you know, I just started my Twitter account in November of last year. And one of the things that I take great pains to do on my account is create these long in-depth threads that introduce concepts like sect, that introduce concepts like essential dignities and debilities. And I got almost 6,000 followers in less than a year. Mm -hmm. So I'm not giving people these little itty bitty things. I think what it's happening, at least on my end, is that I am opening up what astrology actually is for people. And I think that if we took more risk as those of us who are more seasoned and well-studied to really figure out how can we uh, take these complicated and complex topics and package them so that people can really understand and really develop the discernment to say, okay, that person doesn't really know what they're talking about, or this person really is a well-studied authority. I think it's always up to the astrologer to educate the public because they just don't know. They just don't know. And it's not their fault. Yeah. Uh, That's actually really impressive. If you have 6,000, yeah, you have 6,000 followers on Twitter and you've only been doing it for a year. That's a good example of, of somebody, you know, very quickly building a relatively large audience uh, just by putting out sort of quality astrology. And that actually raises the question then or leads to another question, which is, are astrology consumers becoming more savvy when it comes to astrology and when it comes to their own astrological knowledge so that uh, astrologers, even if you're just doing a horoscope column, are able to mention more advanced or complicated concepts than just you know the sun sign and the basic characteristics that go along with that? I know, Jessica, that you, you do a column, right? Oh, I, I, have, um, I have three monthly columns and a weekly column. And I would say absolutely, yes, people are much more um, educated about about astrology because of what you're talking about, Dana, of, of there are astro- like seasoned astrologers explaining things and giving kind of data around it. Um, and I think also people are, are willing to learn about it, which is really new, I think, how many people are willing to learn about it. I've been giving readings for my full-time living since for many years now, and Nobody ever really wanted to know about the astrology behind what I was mm. saying until the last year and a half. And now people are really hungry because they're studying online or they're following different astrologers on social and they're learning these terms and they're wanting to figure out how to understand them so that they can go deeper 
than just what someone's telling them, you know, which I think is excellent. And it opens up, you know, Pandora's box, you know, because there, there is so much out there. There's really amazing astrologers out there and there's not, right? There's just like with every industry. Um, but, but yeah, people are much more, um, willing to study, I feel like, than I've ever seen before. Sure. And it seems like there's certain concepts from astrology that are starting to get more mainstream recognition, like, you know, Mercury retrograde or the Saturn, Saturn return. I mean, it seems like those are starting to actually get some general currency outside of the astrological community at this point, right? I would say so. Yeah. Do you feel like that's the case, Dana? Or how have you seen those concepts or other concepts that have sort of gained more mainstream understanding beyond just like sun signs? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that people are slowly but surely becoming aware of the depth and complexity um, of astrology. And like Jessica said, that even in readings with clients, you know, people are trying to acquire their own tools to understand their own chart. Uh, just was it last week or week before Jason, who goes by Sagittarian mind, there was this thing going where people were doing an astro roast and it was like, paste your chart here and I'm going to roast you based on your chart, which is like, you know, ridiculous in my opinion. But uh, Jason decided to flip it on its head. And he said, here, you know, I'm going to give you an appropriate copy of your chart. So he went to Solar Fire and created copies of like 85 people's charts who inboxed him. And then he did in, what did he call it? it he'd call it something the opposite of an astro roast, where basically he looked at your chart and gave you like this short tidbit of kind of who you are or maybe, you know, who you're becoming based on your chart. And I think that people, the fact that people even know what a birth chart is, Mm -hmm. is really fascinating to Mm -hmm. me because how would they know, you know, how would they know that? Where would they get that information from? It's not going to be in a sun sign horoscope column because that's just not what that's meant for. So I think that people are really, you know, at the very least becoming aware of their rising sign and their moon sign and starting to understand their own complexity through the complexity of astrology, which I think is awesome. <laughs> I agree. I I would add to that as well that, you know, when I, you know, back to us talking about books, when I bought astrology books, um, all my first astrology books, I went through with a pen and everything was he, he, he. They were referring to the native and they always referred to the native as a he. And I went through and I put an S in front of it because I couldn't read it. Um, and I, I definitely feel like a lot, all of these older books, um, are written for straight white Christian background people, <laughs> right? And it's, it's, it's so limited and it is limiting. And at a certain point within my, my development, and I'm older than the two of you, but a certain point of my, the development of my astrology practice, I stopped going to astrology meetings. I stopped reading the books and I did it. And again, this was pre-internet stuff, right? But I did it because I, I needed to develop my own body of knowledge based on the actual people that I worked with mm. and that were in the world and in my world. And I feel that I am not the only one, you know, I'm not the only one who is interested in more of a dynamic and inclusive, I almost don't like the word inclusive in this context, but a more dynamic and inclusive um, application of astrology to the human condition. And, and I think that with the internet, we have more and more people from diverse backgrounds telling 
how they experience and understand astrology, you know, and, and from their perspective. And it's not just that specific voice that I've mentioned. And, um, and I think that that's, you know, as that happens, as more and more of these voices, you know, are amplified through the internet, I think it's speaking to more individuals. And I think that's part of why people are more interested, um, because it's a way of being like, oh, that's me. Um, and, you know, for me, I, I, you know, I have followers on a couple different platforms, but on Instagram in particular, I have like, I don't know, 21, 22,000 followers and 97% are women. And, um, I think that's partially just because of my voice and, and my values, but I think it's also because a lot of women are really interested in astrology. Um, and I think the more that astrologers speak to women and not just men, we see, more people that are really engaged, you know, and, and actively wanting to learn because they're learning about themselves, right? You know, an astrologer wants to know about astrology, but an astrology fan or an astrology enthusiast wants to learn about themselves. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's a really, really super important point because in reflecting on this question myself over the past month or so, you know, my initial, some of my initial pessimism about feeling like it's not um, that maybe there's areas where it's actually declining in interest has been from looking at like the things that I focus on, like for example, um, Reddit, for example, as, as an example of like a, a large, it's one of the internet's largest websites and astrology does not outside of just very specific sort of cordoned off areas like the astrology subreddits, um, astrology does not do very well on Reddit and it tends to be um, the the people the the greatest uh, demographic for that site does tend to be sort of like uh, white younger middle class uh, men with science education especially like people in like mm -hmm. the STEM sort of areas and that experience of that over the past several years or past decade of being on Reddit has given me this impression that a large swath of like my generation is not into astrology or actively rejects it because science education and the promotion of like skeptical efforts have been so successful in sort of inoculating people against even considering astrology as as a possibility or even you know entertaining the idea that there's just a whole generation of people in that sort of demographic that are not into it whatsoever or may never be open to it in any way but then I realized that in reflecting on this over the past month, that that's just sort of like one demographic and that it seems like there are other demographics where astrology is opening up and um, they're, they're sort of becoming more, more diverse in some sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, would, would both of you, do both of you feel like that's the case? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Sam Reynolds, he's a professional astrologer. Uh, and he and I talk a lot about um, Black people in particular, our complex relationship with things that are not um, Christian, right? Mm -hmm. On the one hand, you know, we have this cultural tradition of making addendums to what would otherwise be kind of institutionalized or gatekeeper religions like Islam or Christianity. Um, but what I mean by addendum is the use of hoodoo um, and other traditions of folk magic that have been added to Christianity to the point that they are kind of conflated as being Christianity itself. For example, um, in the charismatic tradition of Christianity, 
there's this thing of catching the Holy Ghost and it being this really communal thing that happens. Well, that has roots in in African traditional religions of the ring shout and this idea of you take on um, the Orisha or you take on the deity and wear it. I mean, it takes over your body and your voice, right? So as far as astrology is concerned, there really is, I think, some kind of ancestral not to be too boo, but I really do think that there is this kind of ancestral calling or resonance with astrology because it falls outside of um, those traditional gatekeeper religions. Um, and I think it provides language and context for something that not even just Black people experience, mm-hmm. right? Because Christianity and Islam and Hindu and these, oh, well, I'll take Hindu out of that, but these other kind of more institutionalized religion generally don't make space for the individual and the individual's becoming and the unique ways that this individual's life manifests. You know, um, it tends to kind of blanket individual experience with doctrine or dogma. It's like, okay, despite what you may individually experience, we're going to apply this thing as truth to it. Mm -hmm. But I think astrology kind of blows all of that out of the water. And it actually says, okay, I can look at your chart and see the circumstances around your birth. I can look at your chart and tell you about your parents. Like, how do you know this stuff, right? Christianity and Islam, there is a tradition of dream interpretation and there's mention of astrology in those traditions, but not in the sense of being able to get intimate with your becoming and who you are in a really individual sense. And I think that that's the power of astrology. And as Jessica was saying, you know, why people are attracted to it at this point, it's like, wow, you can actually tell me something about myself that rings is true, or I can learn something about myself that rings is true, that doesn't require for me to see myself through patriarchy, through Christianity, through Islam, through capitalism, Mm -hmm. right? All of these gatekeepers of knowledge and the structure that upholds how we even see ourselves as individuals. So I think that we're going to see more of that. I think that we're going to see more uh, different populations of people attracted to astrology. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Most of my followers on Twitter are Black. Um, and- right. And, and that's huge. I mean, because that's been a question for decades in the astrological community, which is why aren't there more Black people basically in the astrological community? And over the past decades, seeing the number of not just Black astrologers, but but people that are astrology enthusiasts of color that have been, you know, that are on Twitter and that are taking part in that conversation or helping to generate it has been really amazing and has been a really interesting development over the past few years. I think absolutely. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, absolutely. Um, there, there is this thing of reckoning with the conservatism, uh, that is often attributed to black people, um, reckoning that with the kind of progressive or quote liberalism that is often blanketly applied to, astrology. But for Black people, we've always bucked against the trend of patriarchy. Like if you ask my peers who were, you know, the ones who were raised in two-parent homes, there was always an equal division of labor, right? There was never this sense that women needed to um, escape from that particular form of patriarchal oppression. So when you introduced the, introduced the idea of something like astrology, like I said, I think there is this space carved out that fits into 
kind of ways that we see the world and not to make black people out to be a monolith because we definitely are. There are definitely people who still think that Christ, uh, that astrology is a sin and that they're going to go to hell and it's fortune telling and all of that stuff, but that's not unique to black people. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I mean, do you think that that's by and large the primary um, issue or has been the primary hurdle for many black people in getting into astrology is the religious component and the potential for or the belief that it might be against their their religion with with sort of that being at least in in America sort of a, a sort of bedrock of large parts of African American society. I would say yes, but I would also say that you know oh that's a bad example. I'm not going to use that. I'll say this that representation matters and. Number one, you know, the astrological community for most of the past, you know, century has been white and male. And so when you don't see yourself represented, mm -hmm. you think that it's not for you, right? So now that there are Black astrologers who are competent becoming more visible, it becomes a viable option for a course of study or to become an enthusiast, like Jessica said, you know, where you can learn about yourself. But representation matters. And, you know, the Black power brokers that we see are not astrologers. So, I mean, yeah, I don't, yeah. Sure. How else would they know about it? Do you know what I mean? How would Black people know about it? It's not necessarily a tradition um, that runs through Black culture or or any form of Black culture it doesn't run through it. So religion, religion is definitely part of it, but just the old, you know, America- sees things that are American and worthy of academic study or even religious legitimacy, it's white and it's male. And so, mm -hmm. you know, as some of those walls are coming down and you see more women and you see more people of color, various backgrounds, I think that you will see more Black people and all of those other people kind of becoming authorities in the field because now it's a viable option. There's representation. They could see what's possible for them that they couldn't see before. Sure. And, and that idea of representation also speaks to sort of a community that you've worked more with and what you were talking about earlier, Jessica, in terms of also greater representation over the past decade or so, or growing representation of other voices and um, in, in the queer community and in terms of sexual orientation and other things that where there's been a broadening of the the scope of you know who astrologers are, are attempting to speak to, and greater consciousness about how they're they're trying to do even basic things like interpretations, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I and I just I love everything you just said, uh, Dana. I just want to <laughs> say that. Um, and and I I feel like I, I would add a couple things only that you know, people of color are not getting published by the old, you know, the, up until very recently. So also like there was no room for voices to kind of take the the center stage. And the astrology community has, in my experience, been like the old school astrology community has been very white, very straight. Um, and not just, you know, not black, but just straight up white, <laughs> as white as it gets. And I think that internet has allowed us as uh, all different kinds of people to have a stronger voice and to find each other. Um, and I think that I, I would say, you know, for my use of astrology, when I'm looking at a birth chart, I'm always looking at immigration patterns. I'm looking at 
um, kind of like family history of societal standing within the natal mm-hmm. chart. Um, and I'm always looking at how the natives experience of class and safety um, is related to their experience in the community that they were raised in. And it's impossible to look at those things and to not consider ethnicity, religion, class, all of those things, race, um, religion, all the, all of these things. And, um, I think that more and I guess, I guess I'll, I'll say it this way is that my experience in working with clients is that when I'm able to speak to those specific things, you know, of that are very personal to them, but they're also acknowledging the community that they come from or the background that they come from, it's, it does something that religion can't do, <laughs> which is, you know, acknowledge that there is, that there is something, um, there's something of a symmetry to their own experience, if that makes sense. And I think that whether we're talking about sexuality or ethnicity or, or gender or, or any of these other things, um, if the astrologer trains themselves to seek these things in the birth chart, they're there. And if the astrology writer is invested in, in exploring these things, then the audience is there because people really care about their own experience and the experience of where they come from. So I think, I don't know, this is a very exciting conversation to me and it's a very exciting change. Um, and a change in, in, in the world of astrology and the world of astrology fans. Sure. And I, and I think one of the things then that we're getting to is perhaps the um so the removal of some of those barriers to entry in terms of you know how professional astrologers or astrology enthusiasts can have a voice in the astrological community which used to largely be either you publish a book and or you get speaking positions at conferences um the fact that some of those have have fallen and and now anybody can Sort of have a voice in the astrological community through a number of different ways, like you know Twitter or Facebook or a YouTube channel or a podcast or what have you. That's allowing for more voices and more of a diversity of voices. And as a result of that, that's probably then um, drawing in more people and creating more diversity in the community as a result. So there's this interesting sort of cascade effect that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean. You know, America has always been multicultural, multiracial, mm-hmm. multiethnic. Um, but when we talk about the gatekeepers of knowledge and information, you know, it exists within a caste system that dominates every other area of life, economic and um, all other fields, you know, religion and things like that, that, you know, in general, uh, disenfranchised groups of people tend to break off and create their own when they're not accepted by the gatekeepers. Um, and so I think we're seeing a lot of that in astrology. Um, and I think that that's a good or bad, good and bad thing. It's introducing a lot of people to the subject that would have never had access to it or really would have never known the complexity and capabilities of it. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, um, there really does need to be some standard um, for what astrology is. Uh, otherwise, we end up with things like a particular person on Twitter who posted in their profile that they offer death readings. Um, and when someone went and bought a natal chart reading from them, they copied and pasted from Cafe Astrology. <gasps> 
So <laughs> this, yeah. So this idea. Oh my god! Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> That's awful. It's, That's horrifying. It's terrible. That's yeah, horrifying. But this, yeah. So it's like, okay, this is so great. Wow, everyone has access. Um, to this information, but who's vetting the information? And not to say that uh, the website should, the internet should be scrubbed of astrology information, but I think it's important for those of us who are uh, ethical and who do have uh, professional accountability with our astrological peers that we establish and really take time to define what astrology is so that other people aren't defining who we are. Um, and that brings up the topic of astrological organizations, which again are white. Yeah. So like, <laughs> it's so complicated. you know, you run up against the same problem, but yeah. with that being said, you know, Sam and I have been working on establishing our own astrological, um, community for black people. Um, and there are some other people who are doing that as well. So, you know, I think we'll, we'll meet a great nexus at some point. Um, where either these paths converge or, you know, we leg- we lend, for lack of a better word, validation to each other um, for the greater good of astrology. That's my idealism speaking. Fingers crossed, it, hopefully. It's a really, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because it's, you know, I definitely know a lot of astrologers who have had their stuff copy and pasted. Um, I've seen people do that with my work. I post something and then, you know, 20 minutes later, it's like vaguely reworded. (laughs) Um, and I also know astrologers who've told me, oh, I don't really understand transits. And then within a year they're booking clients and calling themselves, you know, seasoned astrologers. And so it's, it, it, there is that, but you know, uh, again, part of me is my Uranus in the ninth starts showing, but I'm a little allergic to accreditation <laughs> programs. I'm really, you know, I, I think it's, I, I, and this is something I see in the astrology world a lot is astrologers talking about, um, you know, these, these systems of, of how to check other astrologers and how to maintain ethics and, um, and I think it's really complicated as a self-taught person who, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't want to have to conform to a group, um, or to a group standard. And also I have really high ethics and really high standards. Um, and so I, you know, I, I want to see what you're talking about. And also I am personally, allergic to it. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's complicated. And, you know, astrologers are often very Uranian. I'm not the only one. And we can be very idealistic or individualistic. And um, these these um, groups are are complicated. And is there a group that can really encompass everyone? I've, I've certainly never seen one. Um, so it's, right. it's complicated. This is the direction that this sort of conversation always goes, which is um, there's a sort of discussion where there's an acknowledgement that astrology is getting more popular. There's a concession, though, that in some instances the quality is kind of slipping, that the it's becoming more popular, but that sometimes um, it's not necessarily you know great or, or very high quality forms of astrology, and in some instances. There can be some more sketchy stuff going on than there was, let's say, ten years ago, or at least maybe let's say it's more visible than, you know, who knows what was happening privately ten years ago. Right. But then it then leads into this question or this this very difficult and it has been a longstanding debate in the astrological community about certification and standardization, where there's always a, a desire, sort of generally, to want to have greater 
standardization in the field, or at least some sort of baseline of like what it means to be an astrologer and what sort of ethics or other types of things that astrologers can at least agree on as a baseline. But then, uh, uh, you know, there's always a, a sort of pushback and a, and a hesitance, a hesitancy um, to go all in on that because astrologers tend to be very independent and everybody mm-hmm. tends to have their own approach to some extent. And so there's a, a sort of resistance to full-fledged certification or standardization in the field. I would say that my greatest um, skills and proficiency with astrology happened because I, for more than 10 years, had my head down. I wasn't part of any astrology community. I was just doing readings for people. And I, I, you know, I am a medical astrologer and I thought everybody was a medical astrologer. I didn't think there was such a thing as medical astrology. I just thought it was astrology of the body. I, you know, I look at immigration patterns and, you know, class and, and, um, all kinds of things like this. And I just thought all astrologers were doing it. And I'm so grateful that I didn't come up during the internet because then I would have known that not everyone was doing it and it would have limited my kind of ability to investigate and, and really be curious about the chart and how it interplays with humanity and through individual human experience. And so, you know, that's kind of like my vote against standardization because it, it can really limit uh, innovation. Um, I could talk just as passionately about my, my feelings for standardization, <laughs> but, but for my personal experience, I'm really grateful that it doesn't exist at this time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, one area though, because I understand you might resist it from a technical standpoint, but I think you, you probably do have some pretty strong feelings about certain like ethical things yeah. about what would be crossing an ethical line for an astrologer versus, you know, what's, what's okay, right? Uh, for me, yes. I mean, I, to be fair, I'm a sun, moon and rising in Capricorn. So I'm really a hard ass about ethics and, and I'm very, uh, intentional and I've created all these, um, ways of, preserving uh, boundaries with people and with myself, with the work. And one of them that you and I have talked about is even like, I don't look at famous people's charts. I'm, I just feel like it's not my business and it's, you know, politicians are different, but like actors and musicians and stuff like that. Um, so personally, me, I'm really uptight about that kind of stuff. Um, but also I came to all of it on my own and I, I am so Uranian that way. I just want to <laughs> be able to be, uh, you know, I want my ethics to be my, my own, but, but I, you know, it's complicated. It's it. It's not. I don't have an answer. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, how do you feel, Dana? You know, I am a big proponent of accountability, and I think that we can be more innovative in coming up with the form that that takes. Accountability for me as an astrologer doesn't mean that I have someone policing my knowledge. As much as it is that I have relationships established with other astrologers mm. and that if I do or say something out of line, you know, I'm like you, Jessica, <laughs> in tropical, I am Capricorn, rising Jupiter, Neptune, Venus, and Mercury. So okay. like, the whole, the whole <laughs> epic thing, like yeah. I, I'm with you. However, I don't apply that to everyone. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact that there are people who don't subscribe to that. And I think that accountability is what's going to undergird astrology as something legitimate so that we can all really make livings from it, right? We all make a living, you Mm -hmm. know, in our different ways, but 
I think that accountability and being able to say that if I say something out of line or out of pocket, that someone's going to hit me up in my inbox and be like, yo, what was that about? Right. And I'm open to that. I'm open to being able to say, oh man, you're right. It was like, well, what are you talking about? Right. We can have that discourse. You know, I think we need to be courageous and being able to have that discourse because otherwise you have people getting book deals who, you know, really aren't astrologers yes. and they're doing us a disservice. And personally, I care too much about astrology um, in order to let charlatans and ne'er-do-wells, you know, malign it with their lack of knowledge on the topic. Like the the woman who wrote the article in the Times that mentioned your name, Jessica, mm-hmm. you know, I just kind of felt like she had at the bottom of the article that she's like a fellow, right? So obviously she's researching PhD level. And I'm thinking to myself, any other field would have required her to at least do a baseline level of research before writing an article that's being published in a huge publication, right? Absolutely. But because as astrologers, we have not come together and stepped up and said, this is what astrology is. This is who we are. And this is what is expected of us. People get away with stuff like that. People yeah. can say whatever they want about it. And I think that if we want to see this grow in a way that we control the narrative in some way, I really think that we have to approach accountability with courage and and Jessica, you know, you're on this call. You're you're on this show. So I think that you're a little bit more open to it than <laughs> than I, you feel on it. I mean, I I I am very open to it, and I'm I'm actually you know, and I've been I say you know I've been a part of astrology communities here in the Bay Area since '94, and you know I, I I am very open to it. I am just. I'm again, it's like I'm allergic to standardization and, and, um, you know, I agree. Yeah. And that, that's, that. that's really the point that I have. And, and I think, you know, what you're saying, which I again agree with, um, all <laughs> of it. Um, but you know, something that always comes up for me at this kind of, kind of conversation is there are different kinds of astrologers. I think this is part of where we, we have a hard time kind of coming together with an agreement. There are people who practice by giving readings to other people, right? And then there are people who write about it and research it. And it's, you know, my experience talking about the kind of concept of charlatans is that some of the astrologers that I have listened lecture and I've read their work um, that are amazing at writing and talking about astrology, that doesn't necessarily translate to having the counseling skills and the ability to synthesize a chart for an individual to be something constructive and helpful and healing. Um and that's a really, you know, it's not a conversation I've had very much uh, with other astrologers, but it is, I think, a really relevant and important thing because for the scholar, the astrology scholar, um, researcher or writer, they have different objectives than the astrologer who's counseling people for a living, right? We, we have, it's it's different objectives. I do both forms of work and they're, they're really different. Um, and I think that that's, you know, part of where, figuring out, well, what is astrology? How can we come together? There, there are these very different uh, fractions, right? And I don't really hear people talk about it as being really different. And maybe that's just because I'm not part of that conversation. I, I wonder what you think, Chris. 
Right. Well, you had a great piece in the first. It was it was a lecture that you presented with Barry Perlman at the first queer astrology conference that was then included in the the published papers for that conference that was was kind of about that topic and about how you talk to clients and how you are are sort of sensitive to what their their background is so that you're not approaching it in a way that's like inappropriate or or alienating to them in some way, right? Yeah, yes. My my first talk at the that conference was I, I think it was about that, but also I think all of my lectures, I, I lecture a fair amount, are in a way about that because I you know, I've been meeting with clients for my full-time living since 99. And that's just, that's all I do. And as much as I write, I do way more client work and, and I, and I have for all these years. So my, my view of astrology is absolutely as like a counseling, uh, practicing astrologer. Um, and, and that's like really the only way I, I, it's the, it's the primary way I relate to astrology as kind of like a, a tool for, facilitating strategies and healing and insight, context, all that kind of stuff into an individual's experience. Sure. Yeah. And and like you're saying, that is always the biggest stumbling block to standardization just because there are so many different, not just traditions of astrology, but even within a specific tradition, different like approaches or different branches mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, some people are are natal astrologers and some people do horary or electional or mundane. You know, some people do relationship analysis or medical astrology. Others do, you know, astrocartography or something. And so, what's appropriate from an ethical standpoint, or even like a t- technical or procedural standpoint, can really vary widely, uh, depend depending on what your approach mm-hmm. is. And, that, and that's one of the reasons astrologers really resist standardization typically. But you know, one of the things to bring it back to our, our main topic about popularity of astrology, one of the things that I've seen is that it seems like sometimes there's even declining attendance in terms of local astrology groups. And I, I don't know if you guys have seen the same thing, yeah. but it seems like there there's not as many people attending local astrology meetings in given cities each month than there might have been like 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. And I'm wondering if Again, it's one of those things where I'm I'm not clear if that that indicates a general decline in the number of people interested in astrology, or if that's just again a, a byproduct of things moving online. So that because that's not how you have to get astrology, or how how you have to learn astrology or connect with other astrologers, the fact that you can use Facebook or go online and watch a webinar from you know Mark Jones from the UK or or from either of you two from your websites. Um, that it kind of removes the need or the necessity to go to a local astrology group. I mean, do, do either of you yeah. have an opinion on that? Are, are you connected, Dana, with your like local astrology group in Chicago? Nope. And nope. I'll tell you why. <laughs> so the local astrology group that is or was meeting here last I checked is all the way on the north side, which automatically tells me that it's white, um, older, uh, and while I don't have anything against that per se, it's not something that makes me want to say, oh, wow, let me go hang out with right. these people and do this meetup with people who share something with me. Yeah. The flip right. side of that is the Black people in Chicago that I tend to know of who practice astrology are very, um, I would say, new age. In a new age plus, uh, how do I say... Um, Pan-Africanist, I'll put it that way. 
um, which is a line of thought that unifies Black people all over the world as descendants of Africa and having some unified heritage and a unified goal towards liberation, which in general I don't have a problem with, but it's often ahistorical. So it's just this conflation of these different things with astrology that don't quite line up with my own thought pattern and use of astrology. Um, again, I tend to be like Jessica, you know, when I look at charts, I'm seeing these uh, genealogies mm-hmm. in charts and I'm seeing the stories that have been passed forward. And I'm trying to help arm my clients with the tools of how they can you know, work with these stories or change the story? You know, what does the promise hold for them? And uh, there's this wide variance in how people use astrology. You know, we're all coming to astrology with this same, or excuse me, with these different heritages and different cultural and religious upbringings. Um, and I think that that does make it hard for people in person, at least, to join these groups. Whereas online, it's, you know, you've got the world at your fingertips. Yep. You know, I, I truly was the only astrologer I knew until my Saturn return. Well, I take that. Yes. New, like new personally to my Saturn return at my Saturn return. I met Sam Reynolds and another astrologer named Darren Brown, both older black men. I met them on Facebook and Facebook groups. And that was really my Saturn return wish because I've gotten 11th house Saturn and my Saturn return wish was really to make connections with other astrologers. You know, you just don't know what is going on in the community and you're not able to make connections and kind of challenge your studies in your brain when you don't know other people. So, you know, yeah. yeah, I mean, and now Jupiter is where Saturn was and, you know, I'm making even more connections, which is just totally awesome. I'm excited. Just had to Wait. add that piece. Yeah, it, it is exciting. Yeah, and, and UAC is actually about to happen in your hometown here. I in know. A few months. Can you so believe you're about that? to have a, about a thousand, 1500 astrologers are about to show up on your doorstep. I'm very excited. I'm so excited that. about that. Jupiter's in my 11th house. So this is like totally, I'm like, I'm ready for it. <laughs> I, I would also add, if, if I can, that, um, like I agree with all the things you said. Like I'm not, I, the the demographics who go to astrology groups are they're not different than what they you know were 20 years ago when i started going it's really the same people who are going which is not necessarily who i am um and so therefore not exactly what i resonate with but i do think also that people don't like leaving their house and they don't have to <laughs> and so you know it's like <laughs> right. i think of all of the astrologers and and um you know and i am woo myself so all the sp- astrologers and witches and and people who um are spiritualists that i am connected with and they're all over you know they're not just in the bay area and so i have a I, personally i have a really rich life connecting with people who are in my field or in similar fields. And I don't have to go to the meeting, which would require me to like, you know, go across town also and take time off of work and all those kinds of things. And so I think it's just evolving. And my hope is that there are more astrology conferences um, and conventions that are developed because, you know, when the queer astrology conference was, um, first developed, what is that now? Three, four years ago. Um, it was really amazing. It was really amazing to see queer voices 
all have a space and not have to kind of explain what we were saying and just be able to talk about our experience. And I think that that's, you know, that's needed more and more people of different backgrounds um, need more voices. And so hopefully there'll be more conferences that are developed or groups that are developed that are more specified, but also more inclusive. I think we need both, right? So that everybody can be a part of the conversation. But I think that this is part of what's just happening in the world and not exclusively what's happening in the world of astrology. Right. And, and, and I mean, one of the things, one of the things I've always noticed with local astrology groups, one of the issues is just that you know, because there's going to be a limited number of of astrologers in your area, you're not going to have as many people that have like the exact same approach or interests as you. Mm-hmm. And so, when you attend a local astrology meeting, just out of out of necessity, or just necessarily, you're not going to, you know, you might connect with people and you might make some friends or some connections or attend some talks from time to time. But for the most part, they're not going to be all people that are on the same page with you necessarily. And versus if you're online, you can find a Facebook group that matches your like exact approach to astrology and you can talk with people that have the same approach all the time. And I think that's one of the reasons why people are attending local groups less and less and because they can get everything they want in the exact sort of approach that they want online. Yeah. The drawback though is as a result of that, if that keeps happening with the younger generations and they don't ever connect, then the local astrology communities are going to kind of dry up, and then that's going to have a cascade effect with the astrological conferences and things like that. So, so I actually encourage people, even though I understand that it it can be not that much fun, or or you can sometimes not connect with people in person in local astrology groups as well as you could, you know, people that have the exact same interests online, to still try to attend those meetings if you can, or if not, do do what I did in Denver, which is just if you feel like the group that's local to you is like old and not doing the type of astrology that you you are interested in or or is out of date or something like that, instead of trying to go in and change those existing power structures yourself, just like start your own group and start meeting up once a month. And sometimes it can be a labor of love, but you can then create the sort of change that you want to see, and you can also help to give other astrologers in your area a platform to give them experience giving talks and stuff. Mm-hmm. So for example, one of our local astrologers here in Denver, uh, Vernon Robinson, he gave some of his first talks here at our local group in Denver, and then he spoke at Norwalk last year, and he's going to be giving a talk at our group in February, which he's doing as like a test run for uh, a talk at the Queer Astrology Conference in Portland at the end of February. So sometimes do, having those local groups or, or astrologers expending the energy to, you know, try to bring some new energy to them can be necessary and helpful if you want to see, you know, greater diversity in the field and see a place for all sorts of different voices. Um, you know, unfortunately, it can be a hassle, but but sometimes it's worth it or, or necessary to do in terms of helping to ensure that the community goes in the sort of the direction that you want it to go. Yeah, I think also, you know, this this thing we're talking about with checks and balances, having in-person connection with colleagues and, you know, fellow astrology enthusiasts, I think it has great value. And, you know, when our whole lives are online, that's not that's not great for the craft. It's not great for the brain or whatever. So I, I, I agree with that. You know, um, Barry Perlman, um, used to run when he lived in, in the Bay area, he used to run astrology salons 
And that's not the exact same thing as what you're talking about, like an astrology, kind of a traditional astrology group, but people would come together and they would, you know, share their knowledge and talk about charts that they were interested in. And I think that those really resonate for people. They're closer to kind of like an online discussion in a way than this, the old um, kind of like lecture style, which, you know, um, does and doesn't work for different people. So that that's also, you know, if, if you guys are listening and you're like, oh, that's a great idea that Chris has, I should start my own group. You can, it doesn't have to be in the traditional old style. Um, when I first started going to the San Francisco Astrological Society, um, Lene Van Horn, who's a fantastic astrologer, San Francisco, um, she hosted them in her living room and we sat in a circle and we talked about a theme or about charts. And, and it was, it was really engaging to have a smaller group that was intimate and we could really share all of our different varied, uh, levels of knowledge. I, I really enjoyed those. Yeah, definitely. And I think some people are using, uh, you know, like meetup.com in order to, sometimes host those middle ground meetings where it's somewhere in between like a tiny, tiny group and not quite as big as like a huge local astrology chapter or something like Mm -hmm. that, but can sometimes just be more for informal meetings and discussions and things like that. Yeah. All right. Um, So in terms of, so so circling around to to our topic as we start getting towards the end of this discussion, so, I mean, I, I guess we're all more or less in, gre- in agreement that astrology is getting more popular in society. That sometimes that can be can have drawbacks, but but is generally otherwise probably a positive thing. Um, are there any other areas that we haven't talked about where astrology is perhaps growing or becoming more popular, or the opposite that you guys can think of that I ha- that we haven't talked about or brought up yet? Yeah, you know, I sent you an article um, as kind of the precursor to this discussion about uh, astro- teenage astrologers on Tumblr. Oh, right. And, that was a great article. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that that was so interesting. First of all, because I came across the article, I subscribed to Inkpen reviewing blogs because I like Inkpens. And he had like, uh, compiled these articles that were like his faves over the past. And the first one was this article on teenage astrologers on Twitter. And I thought that that was so fascinating because, you know, we tend to think of astrology as something that older people do, which I think is fair because it really does take years and years and years of study in order to really become competent um, yes. in a way that would make you a an authority in the field or someone who can kind of prove what they know, which, you know, we expect that of anyone who studies anything. But I think that there's something to be said for younger people really being attracted to astrology. And I'm so curious about where they will be in 10 years. Mm -hmm. You know, will they still be interested in astrology? And uh, will they be at the next UAC? Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, it's it's yeah. interesting to your point. It, as you mentioned, that I, I didn't see that article, but I I have been in the last two years contacted by I don't even know how many high school students asking yeah. if they can apprentice with me or interview me for their school paper. High school students, and to be fair, I'm in the Bay Area, you know, where it is a bit more progressive and accepting. But I I have just been really surprised by. Um, their ability to kind of treat it like a viable path, which, you know, when I told people that's what I was going to do as a teenager, they literally laughed in my face <laughs> and they were like, good luck with that. <laughs> but, uh, but now, you know, it's, it's, they can get school credit 
further investigation into astrology. It's really cool. It's really amazing. Yeah, I had a teenage student from Indiana contact me and her and her girlfriends contacted me and interviewed me for a class project. And I thought that that was so cool. so cool. And I've even been shocked at how many clients I've had who were born like after 95. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, <laughs> you're like a baby. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, I'm reading a baby's chart. But like the fact that they are interested in learning about themselves in a way that I don't think that many people in generations past had that sense of self-discovery or even the tools to really dig deep that way. And maybe I'm just misreading it because I'm only 33, but you know. I, I think I think right. that people have more access. So I don't think you're just I don't think it's just that. I think everyone I think <laughs> okay. everyone has more access than they used to, right? Because they can read all three of us and they can listen to all three of us, whereas, you know. 20 years ago, we wouldn't have been published by a major, you know, publisher, then nobody would have access to our work except for the people in our immediate community. So it is different. Right. And that, and that is a good, that was a great article. So it's titled, it was on the website, The Ringer. I think it was published around January 2nd. It was titled, The Coolest Teen Astrologers Are on Tumblr. And there is just a huge amount of activity. There's, that's what's so weird is that there's these little Groups or like subsets that have their own like ecosystem or their own astrological community going on in these communities. Like there's one on Tumblr, there's one on Twitter, there's one on YouTube, and they're almost a little bit self contained. And that's going to be one of the interesting challenges in the future is that none of the astrological organizations have figured out how to deal with any of these. I mean, there's people that are part of the astrological organizations like Sam Reynolds or Demetrius Bagley who are active on things like Twitter and Facebook and are making attempts to reach out to bring some of those communities into the more established or like the quote unquote establishment astrological community. But uh, for the most part, there's still things that are sort of operating out there in their own sort of new astrological communities in a sense. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting seeing how that's integrated. And then also, um, Dana, you mentioned you know the fact that astrology is becoming more of a viable career path because there's more tools through technology for astrologers where it's a little bit easier to be self-employed and some of these technologies are making it easier to actually you know make it as an astrologer whereas it's still kind of a, a risky career path and it's not easy it can be tough to support yourself doing astrology but it's a little bit becoming more viable perhaps than it used to be and that in and of itself may be part of the reason why astrology is growing in popularity like places online because there's more people who are making that their primary focus, um, sort of like you have. I mean, that's been part of your story over the past few years as well, right? Yeah. You know, I had a blog and uh, was building a following back in like 2010, but then I got pregnant with my son and that took me into the gates of hell of my Saturn return. <laughs> but sure. on the other side of that, um, you know, I continued to study and um, found your work and Ben Dykes and some other people who were really instrumental in connecting the modern tradition with the ancient tradition. And that just really reinvigorated my study. Um, and last year, really, when Donald Trump got elected, um, I had really began deep study of mundane astrology. And that's how I started back reading professionally and starting my blog. And for some reason, it's just really resonated with people. I think I just kind of 
jumped on to the moving conveyor belt because it was starting to pick up speed and I just happened to be prepared. So I think that, like you say, there really is opportunity for all of us to make a better living, you know, than some of us have been making and establish ourselves in new venues because people are hungry for it. And I think that if we can take advantage and use this system to our advantage, you know, we can really do some good work. You know, in my work, I say I do divination for liberation because I really do believe astrology is a tool that can be used to dismantle patriarchy. Mm -hmm. But first, we got to dismantle patriarchy in astrology. So I agree with that. And I would just add as, as the, the elder on this podcast, which Lord, <laughs> right. I don't know when that happened to me, but here we are, uh, is that, you know, I, you know, I used to always have to explain to people what astrology was and what it wasn't. That was a huge part of my career. Um, and in the last five, six years, that stopped being true. And since Trump was elected, that is completely unnecessary. And I think that, you know, when you mentioned Trump, I mean, it, it he has, his his presidency has radicalized so many communities and so many people. And part of that process, I think, is people seeking answers. What's happening? You know, yeah. what's happening for me as a person? How can I handle my anxiety? Because anxiety is really, you know, it's spiked for people. And I think that this is um, part of where astrology is really resonant for others and because it's a useful tool um, but also this thing that you're mentioning, you know, it's like not having to explain to people what astrology is as much as I used to. Um, it allows me to do more of the work that I'm actually here to do, um, which I think is, is great. It's just, it, it's, I think that, that astrology is really, um, you, you ain't seen nothing yet. I think, I think it's growing. I think it's oh, really yeah. growing and yeah. I'm really excited to be, you know, a part of it. And I'm really excited that this, this conversation is happening because, it it kind of birds i think a bunch of other conversations that that need to have to 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 happen so definitely yeah. well awesome well thanks both of you for joining me today i think that's an interest a good point to sort of stop on or just start wrapping up since we're running out of time um i did want to mention so a few things uh, in terms of plugging a few things um dana you have some events coming up pretty soon right yeah i have um an event here in chicago on January 12th and 13th, that's this Friday and Saturday at North Park University. And there is a kind of spiritual practitioner conference happening called the Mystic Soul Conference. And I will be doing uh, astrology readings in a healing practitioner's salon um, at this event. And I will be there Friday from 10 to 1, and I'll be there Saturday from 1 to 4 p.m. So if you want to come out and get a quick 20-minute chart reading, I will be there. I'd love to see your face and interact with you in person. Um, and there's going to be a lot of other really awesome things happening there. So come out if you're in the Chicagoland area. I would really love to see you guys. That sounds great. And what's your website where people can find out more information about your work? Yeah. So you can find me online at thepeoplesoracle.com. And I am on Twitter and Instagram at peoplesoracle. Okay, perfect. And Jessica, where can people find out more information about you and what do you have going on? Um, okay, you can go to my website at lovelanyato.com. And I am a genius who decided to name my website something that no one can spell or say. So let me spell it. It's I love L-A-N like Nancy, Y-A-D like dog, O-O. lovelanyato.com is my website and you can read 
uh, many horoscopes that I write there, or you can write, read them at other publications. And um, something I have upcoming next week, which I'm really excited about, is um, I'm going to be on Girl Boss Radio. There's a new podcast coming out called Self Service, and you can listen to a teaser um, for it and subscribe to it. And I will be every Sunday talking astrology um, for the week ahead. And so, yeah, so subscribe to that um, on iTunes, Girl Boss Radio, Self Service Podcast. And I will be speaking at UAC, which I'm really excited about. And um, a bunch of other places, actually, this year, I, I just updated, I just redesigned my website, but I have not yet updated all of my events calendar for uh, 2018, but I do have lots of stuff coming up. So if you are interested in my work and want to uh, get to hear more from me, then sign up for my newsletter and, you know, follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatevs. Awesome. Great. All right. So all three of us then will be in Chicago in May for UAC. So People, listeners, hopefully uh, can say hi to us there at that conference if they run into us in the hallway or in in some instances at one of our lectures. Uh, there's another conference, actually, I just got an email from Ian, Ian Weisler to let me know about the fourth uh, Queer Astrology Conference is actually happening, happening next month in Portland from February 16th through the 19th. And you can find out it's being hosted by the Portland School of Astrology this year. So you can find out more information on their website at portlandastrology.org. And let's see, last piece of news and announcements. Uh, for my 2018 astrology calendar posters, I'm available to do international shipping finally. So you can find out more information about that at theastrologypodcast.com slash 2018 posters. And I think that's it. All right. Well, thanks a lot, both of you, for joining me today. I thought this was a great conversation, and I look forward to Hopefully we can we can reconvene at some point to continue it again at some point in the future. I would love that. Thanks awesome. so much. Can we also commit to a group hug in Chicago? Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Definitely. I will hold you to that and I'll see you. That's gonna sneak up on us like really fast. Like I, I think know. it's it's in May and that seems far away, but I know these things go by really quickly. So before you know it, the three of us will be there hopefully having a drink or something uh at UAC and we hope to see everyone Sounds else there. That's great. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening today. I think that's it for this show. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.